brand new sound for your Sunday morning. The only one who could ever teach me. Introducing the Reverend A.R. Bernard of the Christian Cultural Center. Was the son of a preacher man. And Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik of Religion on the Line. The only one who could ever teach me. Now, now on 77 WABC, the Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. Good morning, I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, always good to be with you. I know it's a blessed weekend when I can look forward to saying I'm going to be with the Rev on Sunday morning. So thank you so much. Thank you, I appreciate that. So It's it's a difficult time uh, in many ways, but I look at what's happening in Riverdale. I was talking to some of the residents of Riverdale, people uh, who are worshipers at synagogues that have been attacked, hate attacks. Uh, on a number of congregations. And you think to yourself, I mean, how sick is it? How much hatred must consume you that you find it, you know, acceptable to go and to uh, destroy part of a synagogue, to hurl rocks through the windows? Uh, I don't I don't understand that. Uh, I, you know, I always try to fathom hate, but there's no logic to it sometimes. Um, and it's just, you know, NYPD, I know, is working assiduously, to try to find the person, they have some kind of picture. The person is masked, so it's, I know it makes it more difficult. Uh, I know eventually they'll get the person. But what is it that drives a person to do these kinds of very destructive things? You know, it's, it's, it's a mixture of things. Because I was looking at it and said, gosh, is, is, is the nation so polarized, so divided, so... Uh, hate-filled, cancel culture that is manifesting in this kind of uh, brutality against fellow citizens. And here in New York City, remember, we, we made some serious changes in our penal institution, and we discovered that quite a few of those who were incarcerated were were there, but they had mental health issues. And instead of, you know, imprisoning them, we should have been servicing them in some way to help them. So you release these individuals on the streets. I I wonder just how many of these individuals engage, engage in these crazy things are, are you know, mental health, you know, I, I, struggling for the term, but who have mental health issues that are not being serviced. And it's manifested in, in, in the things that we've seen. You know, and, I wonder about that. Yeah, and the person I, I see on the, on the video is it looks like a very young person. Uh, yeah. So, you know, in a, in a short time, you've accumulated, you know, maybe mental health, but you also, it, they're not, it's mental health, but it's a hatred of Jewish institutions or Jews. Uh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. not manifesting attacks on other buildings, but it's against synagogues. And one of the things that I find comforting, I was talking with, again, uh, with those in Riverdale, is that people of different faiths have come forward and said, we stand with you, uh, you know. The solution to the problem cannot just be a Jewish solution. It has to be, right. you know, one that belongs to all of us, a response. Because, because you know, today it's me, tomorrow it's you. Uh, so I, I'm hopeful that we will find the perpetrator. But also, you know, we've we got to do more. We can't have this situation where someone is, you know, caught and released and then does it again. Uh, and the mental health, we don't talk about enough. You know, we, whisp- right. we used to whisper, now we talk about it at least. Right, right. And and look, and, you know, the the whole you brought this up and I forget what broadcast it was, but you were talking uh, about the revolving door in our court system. 
where people mm-hmm. know that, you know, if, if they steal, let's say, for less than $250, you know, they're not going to be prosecuted. Right. And th- this, is, this is put out there. So if they think they can get away with something, exactly. they're going to keep doing it. You know, discipline uh, counts. There have to be consequences to irresponsible action. And yeah. if we don't see them here, then we're going to repeat uh, this nightmare again and again. So uh, hopefully there'll be a, a conclusion to this ugly story. Uh, and again, people from different faith communities are, are coming together and saying, we stand with you. And that that is something that's very heartening. We have a special we have guest. make it unpopular. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we've got uh, Commissioner Ben Benjamin Tucker, Deputy Commissioner. But I'm just going to say, Rabbi, we've got to make wrong unpopular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Point. And when we when we make it unpopular, people will back off and they'll try to have some decorum and do the right thing. So that's what we've got to do. Okay. All right, we stand together on that. All right. All right. We come when we come back. First Deputy Commissioner, who's had a very very uh, a hallowed career. Uh, in in NYPD, and he speaks from a certain perspective, and I think it's important uh, to ask the questions that uh, need to be asked and, and to hear his answers. Stay tuned. Where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Potasnik. And I'm Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend we have a guest today who we come to know and admire over a number of years. Began his career with NYPD in 1969. Uh, he was mayor eight years old as a officer at <laughs> <with> NYPD. <laughs> but uh, I'm, ta- I'm talking about First Deputy Commissioner Benjamin Tucker, who wrote an outstanding piece in the Daily News uh, last week, last Sunday. And I read it, and I, I said, you know, there's hope for the future when you have people like Ben Tucker uh, who can look back and look ahead at the same time. So, Commissioner, thanks so much for being with us. No, thank you, Rabbi. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Uh, uh, listen, it's always cool to come on with the Rev and the Rabbi. <laughs> well, we we both claim you as ours. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, thank you. He well, said the right word. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Cool." It's always cool. The Rev and the yeah. Rabbi are cool. Yeah. Okay. Yes, indeed. I want my grandkids to hear that. Yeah. yeah, indeed. I just I tell it like it is. They can hear it. Whether they believe it is another story, but they can hear it. Well, well, yeah, yeah. So, so where do we start? I mean, 1969 police trainee uh, until now. I'm curious to know, and I don't know if Rabbi, you want to jump into this right away, but I'm curious to know. Um, what has changed in the New York Police Department since the late 1960s when you were there as a trainee? Yeah, just in two sentences, yeah. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, cover 40 years in two sentences, yeah, yeah. that's it. Well, yeah, you know, it's. Uh, I guess the short answer would be it's 180 degrees uh, from what it was and uh, in, in so many ways. And, you know, first of all, it was the 60s. And, right. just, you know, at the end of the 60s, we we had just about landed a moon, a man on the moon. And uh, but we are coming out of a decade, as you both know, which was tumultuous in so many ways. Uh, and, you know, from civil rights challenges to protests to the, the assassination of President Kennedy and, and uh, Dr. Dr. King. Uh, and uh, riots in the street, protests in the streets, uh, you know, the Bay of Pigs, uh, revolution 
uh, with respect to women's rights, civil rights, voters' rights, uh, and so forth, but but also strife uh, as a result of some of the racial tensions that existed uh, for so long and and persisted very much at that time. And indeed, uh, you know, the country, you you both remember the the Kerner Commission and uh, the the Safe Streets Act, and all of which uh, were triggered uh, by uh, the conditions that I just referenced across Mm -hmm. the nation. And so in many ways, that was, you know, when I think back, comparing where we are today with with uh, where we were then, this is this is probably, you know, um, it's been about uh, 40, 45 years uh, or 50, 50 years or more since we since we since we uh, uh, to take it to get here where we are right now. Um, I, you know. I grew up, you know, you know, my those were my teenage years, and and for the most for the most part. So I experienced all of that, and, and you know, and and more uh, during those times. And and um, in some ways, things are very different, and in many ways, uh, not made not much has changed uh, when you consider what we've all been through in the last year, and that's that's uh, that's pretty sad. Um, but uh, on another. In another realm, uh, vein, uh, there have been significant changes uh, in, in just, I think, uh, in policing, uh, which is not always obvious necessarily uh, as we think about where we are and some of the challenges we still face. But, but I think uh, that, that the profession has advanced significantly uh, over over these past uh, decades. In, in many ways, and we can we can talk about that. But just in terms of of, of the use of technology, in terms of having to adapt and pivot um, to deal with um, all the, 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 the way in which we fight crime, uh, the fact that that you know cyber crime exists now, and the fact that uh, we have the dark web, uh, the fact that so much of of our crime is is not limited and and, and confined to uh, the streets of, of of our cities and countries and towns, but rather uh, very much global in nature. And you have uh, you have organized crime organizations working with each other uh, from you know trafficking and and narcotics and uh, and so forth, and you know working together to 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 fill their coffers. So those are challenges. But the other things that have changed uh, uh, for the good. Also, have to do with the fact that the the communication between, for me, for, for the communication within the police and, and law enforcement community has improved. Uh, I think tremendously. We have five um, national police groups, uh, and IACP and uh, PERF, you know, Police Executive Research Forum and Police Foundation and the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives. Uh, and the sheriff's association, and so uh, those 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 organizations uh, are uh, very much in touch with one another, and 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 have shared information, as I referenced just before we came on air, uh, to to you know look at how we can improve training, look at how we can improve on on a whole variety a whole variety of areas that people still care about, use of force, um, you know. Violence, domestic violence, how we treat those things, because you know, over over time, historically, 
those things have changed, and we've had to adjust. Uh, and and sometimes, uh, and, and that's been, I think, helped us grow in many ways. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. So, Deputy, we're talking with first Deputy Commissioner of NYPD, Benjamin Tucker. Commissioner, the phrase systemic racism uh, has been heard many times, said by many people, looking at various institutions. When someone says to you, NYPD suffers from systemic racism, what is your response? I, I think, you know, it, it, it's it's hard to define systemic. I mean, in the general sense, we all know it means something that's persistent and it exists and it can be deep-seated and deep-rooted. Um, but it also, uh, to the extent that it exists at all, I would say, is is a problem. And so that's really what we, we need to be concerned with. I mean, how we, If we call it systemic, if people perceive that it exists or we know it exists from some of the actions uh, of how the institution functions or whether it's policy-driven in terms of how policies are structured, uh, how the culture of an organization uh, impacts that if, if the members of the organization um, have people who within it uh, who, who, who are, who have who have or any any type of bias, whether it's racial or whether it's gender based or or any other uh, bias, th- that's a problem because policing, the nature of the very nature of policing, is is really in many ways not unlike medicine to do no harm, to really be um, to work with communities and be equitable and and just and uh, pay attention to the rule of law and so forth. So. It, it you know, I, I, I'm sorry for cutting you off. Go ahead. I, I just, I just appreciate your answer so much because we live in a society where we're dealing with denial when it comes to this. But you understood that it is the systems and structures, policies, the institutionalized cultures over time that do have. Uh, implicit biases built into them. And much of that comes from a society that has those biases. So if you, if you're socialized in that way and then you become a police officer, you tend to bring those biases into, you know, the police yeah. culture. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it grows. So I really appreciate how you, how you address that, Commissioner. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the first, the first, uh, Step in in addressing, you know, these kinds of ills, uh, particularly in in law enforcement. And by the way, you know, it is it is multi institutional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not unique to to law enforcement, which is I think underscores your point in many ways. Uh, is because it has to do with how people are brought up, their upbringing has to mm-hmm. do with their experiences. Uh, and 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 um, the nature of of even you know as basic as our family lives, where how we were, how we are raised, and right. and uh, and and what matters in terms of how how you are taught uh, in in uh, a, 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 from whoever is raising you as a youngster, um, and what they tell you about how you know treating people the way you'd like to be treated, and and mm-hmm. that people are uh, the fact that we look different different from one another and, and speak perhaps differently than one another. Or our skin is lighter or darker, or we have a particular uh, reference to uh, it with reference to religion and how we worship all of those things. Um, the extent that, that, that 
you know, you hear language in your home as you grow up that uses pejorative descriptions of, of other people and and such. All of those things are what shapes us. And I always say, you know, I have I have pictures on my wall in my office, you know, and plaques and all of that. But my favorite wall is the wall with, with kids and, and drawings that children have given me. Uh, and what I what I like about it is and, and I uh, is the fact that, you know, children, they don't judge. If you watch little kids, uh, if you take kids to a playground and they see one another and they might even, you know, see that someone is different than they are. They might even ask you, oh, oh, you know, or, or reference it. But the truth is they don't judge. They say, you know, even mm-hmm. as they identify or say or, 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 or just acknowledge that they're different. The next thing is, okay, let's play. It right, is, yeah, you know, yeah. There's you know, a, there, there is an innocence that we we tend to corrupt them. I think. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and so you know, and sometimes it's subtle and just you know, just you know, you're not paying attention to what you say during in your home and 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 in presence of youngsters. Uh, but you you know, I think it underscores and points up the fact that that really adults have an obligation yeah. to. Yeah, really those are real try. questions. Yeah, those are real questions because when we think of systemic racism, and Rabbi, you, you raise a good question with this, we, we, we have to look at promotion systems. You know, are, uh, is one group promoted at a greater rate than another group? Uh, you know, the judicial system within the police department, you know, are, is one group held to a different standard than uh, another group? And usually we're talking about white versus black, you know, inclusion, racial inclusion at every level. You know, accountability, uh, all of those things come into play when you think of systemic racism. And again, these institutional cultures develop over time. Dismantling them uh, takes time yeah. uh, as well. I would just add to that, Rev. Uh, Commissioner, it says that all of us have a responsibility to look within our own respective enclaves, our own institutions. You know, it's easy to point the finger at someone else and say, you're guilty of this without looking at who you are without looking at what your institution does. So it's important that we correct injustices, inequities, but it's also important that we look within and make sure that we come with clean hands too uh, if we're going to start pointing fingers all over the place. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I think, and, and, and that should be the general rule, right? That should be the way we, we, you know, the lens through which we, See it, and and also should be the way we we interact with one another. But but we all know that 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 just doesn't always work. But but it's especially important in organizations um, and and uh, and and institutions uh, generally. But I think you know from 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 my experience and certainly in policing, it is it is critically important uh, that that the organization. Uh, and the leadership in the organization uh, and the training and the recruitment efforts, you know, so from the beginning uh, uh, to identifying the people who you hire uh, and, and, um, and right straight through uh, to uh, how you conduct business uh, as people come into your department and what, what is it that you hear? What are the values uh, of, of the agency and how do you communicate those and how often do you, repeat those and how do you inculcate those values uh into into every aspect of 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 how you do business is really 
really critical. And that's not always easy, you know. Particularly, you know, it may be easier in, in in a small department, but it is can it can be easy, uh, equally lethal in a, in, a, in a police a small police department if if um, if if it exists and and the, the 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 individual who leads that organization sets the tone and it's that negative tone that that is that prevails, then you you have a problem. You know, we have eighteen thousand police departments in the country and. Uh, of various sizes and, and you know, the, the departments, as, as you know, NYPD, Chicago, Philadelphia, you know, other than we, we are, you know, there's only a handful uh, that, that are so, so as large as and none as large as NYPD with 36,000 officers, but another 19 or 20,000 civilians. So, you know, it's a big agency. And so you what we re- really want to be able to do is 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 whatever the size is uh, you know is to really ensure that that the integrity of the you know the the organization in every respect um, is one in which you know it, it exists and and um, and we and we're paying attention to to those things um, you know people's attitudes people's you know proclivities um, and and their conduct but but at, at at the baseline making sure that we're hiring those people number one who we we attract the right people um in the way in which we recruit and then and then um and then you know put them through the rigorous uh screening processes that are necessary the psychological evaluations that are necessary so that you at least give yourself the best possible chance of of hiring the very best um people uh, of integrity who have a passion for uh for public service and who want to do the job that's that's the that's the optimal. That's what you want. And people who have had and, and as much and if they've if they've had experience and they and they are very diverse in who you are looking at, uh, you're bringing people in who don't always only look like one another, but but that are uh, that you're bringing in uh, 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 people who can add to the culture and the experience. Then you are then you are going to be better off. Uh, but but also, you know, the truth is, uh, there's, there's a, there are those occasions people ask me all the time and and, uh, and and ask, well, you know, how come you couldn't identify the fact that that officer was who he or she is and what we've seen and, and that they engage in that conduct? And the truth is, you know, uh, it, even if we if we hire them and they come through our screening process, uh, then then we didn't detect that there was any particular problem with that individual but the truth is people change over time um experiences and their life experiences change and you you could end up with people who um as those as they um whatever impacts them from from their personal lives or even in the job itself uh, may have an impact on on you know who they are at that moment and the conduct that they engage in um uh, wasn't necessarily predictable, and it may just be conduct that that is, you know, it's just um, wasn't even thought thoughtful, um, but 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 happens in in a moment, um, and 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 it ends up with a you know uh, with a terrible uh, result and outcome. And right, but even right. when those events happen, then you have to deal with those things, and you have to send yeah. a message um, uh, accordingly uh, with respect to discipline. Uh, and and how you how you address it because and and you have to 
try and get it right every single time because if as much as you can because if you don't or if you 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 show preferences then you send the wrong message to those members of the organization who who always you know are uh, uphold the values and do the job as well. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik, the Rev and the Rabbi, where faith matters. 77 WABC and WABCRadio.com. Commissioner, there's a lot of stress associated with uh, policing, especially in big cities, heavily populated areas like New York City. You mentioned uh, psychological evaluation in the beginning of the officer's relationship with the department. Is there ongoing mental health evaluations without the associated stigma uh, that tends to be attached? Well, there's no scheduled ongoing evaluations, at least in in the NYPD, but certainly um, to the extent that that Ben Tucker um, exhibits behavior that suggests that he needs help, then then that, that help is going to be provided and it can be identified in any number of ways. But we, 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 you know, you, you, you both may, may recall that, that we, two years ago, uh, after we had a series of suicides, we, we really did ramp up our health and wellness approach um, and, and redouble our efforts. And, and while we had systems in place at the time to, 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 to assist our personnel under stress, and, and police work is, as you point out, stressful, can be traumatic, and uh, we've had incidents just in recent days. Uh, we've lost three people. Uh, one to uh, uh, our, our officer in Highway Three, who, mm-hmm. who was struck and killed. Uh, that was that was horrifically tragic. Uh, and uh, but also another officer we lost to COVID, and then and then one member of the service who committed suicide in these yeah, just these yeah. past three or four days. So 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 the, the the nature that's the nature of police work in many ways that, that these events happen. Uh, and given the size of, of the NYPD and, and the scope of, of the work, you know, the 300-plus uh, mi- square miles of, of the city, as large as it, as it is, and the millions of, of radio runs and, and contact we have out in the streets, those things, um, yeah. you know, happen. Yeah. Commissioner, correct me if I'm wrong. We speak of a presumption of innocence. That's a well-known phrase. And yet, I think... When it comes to policing, there are those who look at policing using a presumption of guilt. Uh, I think of that uh, terrible situation. Uh, there was a knifing. Someone was going to put a knife, uh, you know, into another person, and uh, police came in and and uh, and killed that person. I mean, they they, they shot that person to prevent uh, a, a murder. And immediately there were those who said, the "Cop is guilty. Shouldn't have done what he did." Do you find the climate is such today that there is this presumption uh, of guilt that you, you're wrong until you have to prove your innocence rather than the other way around? Oh, yeah, I, I think most recently in this in this in this past year. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, there is, you know, the, 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 the tendency in the sense that that in when it comes to law enforcement in the country that um that there is this presumption of, of guilt, um, or and people, you know, it's visceral, right? It's, it's the mm-hmm. kind of, of, of thing that people believe and perceive to be, uh, uh, and and 
And listen, sometimes, you know, when you look at some of the cases that we've seen and with video these days, uh, unlike uh, uh, years ago, I mean, it, it, you know, we have we have the, the ability to see uh, these these events unfold right before us. And, and within seconds, if not at the same moment that they're happening, uh, it's 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 available on the Web and so forth. So so people see see that and so uh, is it understandable that they that, that they have this this reaction to it absolutely uh, and and sometimes you know they're not wrong uh, uh, in, in those in some instances and I, and and of course you know when you look at the, the George Floyd mm. uh, death then you you understand why that's the case uh, it's un it's it's impossible to unsee what we all saw in that moment and right. and um, and so, yeah, I think it, it, we have to acknowledge that that uh, sometimes, uh, on occasion, that is the case. But it's not it's not always, you know. Video, while video is 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 has been very helpful, I think in 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 bringing to light uh, events that would otherwise not be uh, not have been seen. Uh, uh, it is, you know, it's important. You know, and we recognize that we in policing recognize it. We recognize it here in New York City when when Commissioner Bratton was here, and, and we agreed that that we believed in the efficacy of body worn cameras, for example, because we knew that that would add you know some some more transparency to to what we were trying to accomplish here in the city. And and, and now we have twenty five thousand or so members of the service wearing body worn cameras, uh, and and uh, and you see uh, you see a lot. And um, but but even with those cameras, it, you don't always see everything. And and video can be tricky because if you don't show the entire event uh, that's that uh, that that occurred, if it, if it, if it's on camera, you can't. You have to in order to understand what actually happened, you have to see everything. And and we've had those instances. I think you you both know. Yeah. Um, over time where that happens. But I will also say, and that's unfortunate, but, but that's just the nature of, of the video. And, and, um, but at the same time, video also, when it comes to uh, a certain uh, event, and I think more often than not, we learn a lot and we see a lot and we can make corrections. Uh, something that, uh, that we focus on, on the training and tactics and, and so forth that we see didn't go well. Uh, or could have been, uh, if they were poorly executed, could have could have resulted in injuries to either the officers or to the individuals, uh, citizens on the streets, and so forth. But, um, so, but yeah. Does that, it, it, so does that translate, Commissioner, into a uh, almost a love hate relationship between the police officer and the body cam because it can either uh, condemn the officer or exonerate the officer? What's the word on the ground? How do officers feel about this? No, I, I think officers, you know, they prefer to wear the cameras uh, because I think more often than not, you you see what's going on. I mean, it, officers who, you know, we train them well, they go out there, they do their job. Uh, I, you know, we believe that, that you know, it, it cameras de-escalate, help without de-escalation. Uh, you know, car stops are one of the most dangerous things we do. Uh, cameras, I think, help in that respect. Uh, officers who, who wear cameras when they're stopping people in cars, uh, first of all, they catch license plate numbers and they catch 
they have the people on camera to, to the extent that they're bad people who want to do bad things. Uh, you, you at least have some ability to capture, uh, hopefully enough, that might lead to an arrest if an officer is injured or, sh- or, 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 or worse in those encounters. But also, it, it, I think most of the time, it's about uh, officers giving people, uh, you know, traffic stops on um, violations traffic, you know, driving and, and, you know, running through a light or or some other violation that the officer mm. witnesses and then and then stops the car. And, and so, you know, the expectation is that the officer, what they're required to do is, you know, tell you why they stopped you and tell and, 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 and uh, you know, tell you that um, uh, that they're recording you, this, that, that, that encounter is being uh, recorded and then whatever else they need to say, you know, about uh, uh, the, the requesting your license and registration and so on and so forth. But yeah. the, when you when they have that conversation, um, it's it's a good thing because you know sometimes it, you, what you want to avoid is a situation where the officer just walks up, says I, I, license and registration, and the individual driver will say, not unreasonably so, you know, well, what did I do? And and that could go from there, could escalate, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so. So I think that, that there's I think there's more of a benefit uh, to the cameras than than not, and I don't think officers necessarily dwell on it. I think when we first roll them out, it takes a bit of getting used to and using the cameras and having them on when they should be on, and off when they should be off. Uh, and um, and I think early on, you know, people would complain that the officer didn't have the camera on or turned the camera off, and and they didn't really understand necessarily. Um, why that was the case, um, but I think over yeah. time the officers, you know, we we weren't we we you have to give you know we're human beings, right? So you, if you're rolling out some new technology, uh, you give people a learning uh, time to learn that technology, get used to that technology, and begin to use it in the way it's intended. Yeah, uh, and 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 that that's exactly what has happened. Uh, is it perfect? No, but but for the most part, it is it is um, it, it does work. And as I say, it, it has been a valuable tool uh, to help continue to educate officers. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're in the moment, you don't even realize that your partner is in the line of fire. fire. And, and so um, but when you when you review the video and you see, wow, that that, that, that you know, that 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 shot that you took, um, you know, was only, you know, feet away uh, from from your officer, your partner, and so tactics become become an issue. So those that's it's helpful in that regard, or citizens on the street in the way. So so it it it, it is I think uh, for sure uh, a benefit of these cameras, uh, and they have been for us. And we have you know we have like right now I mean we have probably nine ten million videos since we rolled out. Uh, Began rolling out these cameras and average 130,000 videos a week. Wow. Commissioner, we're coming to the end of the segment. I I want to ask you something. All of us, I'm sure, as people of conscience, have participated in protests uh, for various causes. And I always have felt if you're in a protest, there's there's a responsibility you have. Uh, There are guidelines for a respectful protest. And we've seen protests that have gone astray, that have degenerated. Uh, into destructive uh, behavior. And I, I think the commissioner, Commissioner Shea, commented about it this past week. Um, 
We cannot tolerate it, nor should leaders of protest tolerate it. Um, there's a difference between a protester and a destroyer. And that distinction, that moral distinction, should be made by all of us. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's right, Rabbi. I, you know, listen, it, it, we we've seen um, peaceful protests uh, a lot and um, over the years, and but we've seen those instances, and perhaps the most challenging was last last summer when we when we witnessed uh, a lot of violence, um, either on the part of of, of some of our officers, a, 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 a small number, but nevertheless a few. Um, but also on the part of not peaceful protesters, but people, as you described a moment ago, who uh, their sole purpose was to inflict harm right. and to disrupt and to be violent. Um, and but but it wasn't just to property; uh, it was to to our officers. And mm-hmm. and you know and so while um, what was interesting is last summer is is is, is people noticed and 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 were up up in arms about the uh, the the officers in, in our department who engaged in conduct that was, was inappropriate for sure in, in a number of cases, and we took action there. But but also, they, there was not a huge uh, uh, outcry about the officers who were assaulted, hit with, yeah. with bricks and, and, and sticks and cars uh, and, and, uh, and so forth. Um, who were who were policing the um, the affair? So it, it, you could you could say that there's blame on both sides, but but there is something to be said for conduct um, outside the realm of of the protests, and and, and that this has persisted, by the way, uh, where 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 conduct. You know, we just had officers, uh, an officer the other day assaulted a detective. You know, crime scene, crime scene. You know, just doing his job. You know, writing uh, a report and and is attacked uh, from behind and and struck uh, by individuals. Uh, and and you know, we've had I could cite you know any number of those things, but those things happen, and you know, and 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 they shouldn't. Uh, we've had officers yelled at. Um, a few weeks ago, in a car, they stopped uptown in the three O precinct, and they and they were waiting for a light, and and a group of people, you know, with 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 megaphones, screaming and yelling and using vile language and placing toy pigs on the on the mm-hmm. car and so forth. And the officers handled themselves extremely well, I thought, in that instance, because they didn't they didn't uh, they didn't get out of the cars and they didn't uh, approach anyone. Uh, and they when it was when it was safe for them to drive away without you know endangering anyone they left uh, and so you know it, it's i think on in a in a macro on the macro level i think what what we have to do is try and find a a a, a space where officers um can do their jobs and and they have an obligation and they know it to do the jobs you know um well and do it do it within you know do it constitutionally and so forth um and 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 i think by and large the majority of our citizens understand that as well yeah. uh the people who engage in the conduct that i just described are not necessarily the folks who right. um are likely to change their behavior reverend bernard yeah. I, you know that's so important because too often we think it's people who live in the community and we have a lot of people who come from outside of the community and engage in this. Uh, Commissioner, it's been great just talking yeah. to you. We're 
at the end of our program. Rabbi, you were going to say something? Yeah, well, look, Commissioner's at just at the midway point of his career. Uh, yeah. and, you know, I, I think yeah. he's got a long way to go. We need him. I just want to say this. In, in Hebrew, the word for service to God is avodah. The word for service to human beings is avodah. Uh, because you'd like to see your, your work, your profession as a calling. And I think over the years you've exhibited uh, that kind of commitment to the people, uh, to the creator. And New York is blessed to have you. Thanks so much. Yeah, Thank you very much. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Rabbi, Reverend. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Always a pleasure. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. We'll be back with more of the Rev and the Rabbi right here on 77 WABC. Reverend A.R. Bernard, Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik, where faith matters. The Rev and the Rabbi, 77 WABC. Welcome back. I'm Rabbi Joseph Fantasnik. Reverend A.R. Bernard. Reverend, one of the things that I really look forward to in our conversations with various officials is the fact that we can sit at the table, talk to each other without screaming, without put-downs, but having real serious substantive discussion. Uh, When you talk to Ben Tucker, Commissioner Tucker, he's one of those individuals who he really uh, creates a a climate of, of where you can have that real dialogue. Yeah, he's comfortable. I mean, he's been in this for a long time, man, 44 decades, right? More than four decades. And, you know, I asked a broad question, really, 40-something 40, 40 years of history to cover. But I remember back in, in the 60s, in the mid-60s, we were still on a first-name basis with our local police officer. They were on foot patrol. There was a cop on the beat. Mm-hmm. And as the riots intensified, the activism intensified, the protests, the Vietnam War, civil rights, the assassinations, you know, the things that he mentioned, um, it changed. They, they pulled them off of the street, off, off of the beat, put them in the, the sector cars, and they began to patrol the neighborhoods from the sector cars. And, and, and that's when everything really changed. Yeah. You know, one of the things I find, and we're, we all experience this, our communities, our respective communities, they hold us sometimes to a very, very uh, difficult standard. They expect something of us that they may not expect of others. And I've often wondered with, with a Ben Tucker that he's African-American. And how does the African-American community, not that it's monolithic, but what are the reactions he gets from the African-American community? You're in a, uh, obviously a better place to answer that. It's mixed. It's yeah. the same as in the Jewish community. Yeah, no, we're, I know we're, it well. We're dealing with human nature. Yeah, we're dealing with human nature, whether it's black, white, Jewish, uh, Christian, it doesn't matter. Um, people want to either blame and project on the law enforcement officer as responsible for everything that goes wrong, and then there are those who are sympathetic and understand their role and appreciate their role. It's just that human nature, people are different. You know, we didn't have the time, but I wanted to ask him the question, you know, what does it mean to be black in the police department back in 69 as compared to now? A lot has changed in terms of the culture, the the numbers of, of people of color who are law enforcement officers across the country. That has changed. Yeah. So the culture has changed, but it's taken a long time. And remember, policing in America started with a negative relationship between uh, people of color and and law enforcement because it started with slavery and policing of slaves, you know? So there's a long history that was uh, negative 
And to turn that around, that's, uh, gosh, hundreds of years, yeah, that's, but, t- that's a tough deal. But I tell you, and the, the impact that has in terms of recruitment, the impact that has in terms of relations, because if you don't look at the other uh, as an ally, if you see the other as an adversary, uh, it's very difficult to have yeah. a relationship uh, that, is, that is a positive one. And you always, you know, you're ready to, to see the other as responsible for some of the ills. So uh, it's, it's challenging. And that's why we need the kind of gatherings of people coming together. You know, Jefferson, if I could paraphrase Jefferson, he said, you know, any mule can knock down a barn, but it takes a carpenter to build one. I mean, mm. it's very easy, you know, to, to be the critic, the constant critic. But you've got to find a way to construct. Uh, and that's where I think we have a responsibility. But others as well, leaders of groups you know, who just shout, do nothing. I don't think they want to do anything. I think sometimes it's very comfortable, convenient for them uh, to well, be. What you said life. is, I just, I'm sorry I'm cutting you off, but what you said is just so important because I've made it my business to sit at the table uh, with as many groups that I may disagree with or, or, you know, some of my constituency may disagree with. And it's not easy to navigate that without people saying, you're one of them. Oh, you're one of them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's difficult. And I think that's one of the things that you and I and, you know, the Cardinal and uh, our relationships with the Coral Commission of Religious Leaders that we do. We, we bring people together to have civil discourse. Yeah. If, listen, if we don't, who will? Uh, yeah. I think people, people really want that. I, I know there are some who like the gladiatorial combat. They want to see people going at each other. Uh, tell me what that does except uh, destroys life and destroys the quality of life. So uh, I, I, I want to stay with the builders, not with the destroyers. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Well, great show. I, I always enjoy being with you, and uh, uh, we look forward to being back next week. If God is willing, we are willing. I think he's willing. <laughs> well, you you must have some in, inside information. Yeah, I, I, I got to find your sources. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you didn't take that from us. Okay. All right. And thank you for tuning in to the Reverend the Rabbi this week and every week. We really appreciate all of you uh, who follow us on social media and our podcasts uh, as as well. Thank you for appreciating what we try to do, what we bring to the table. Till next week, same place, same time, seventy-seven WABC, right here. The Rev and the Rabbi. And the Rabbi.